When I was a kid, my parents would work a couple different jobs apiece trying to make ends meet. And when Christmas rolled around, we didn't have any extra money for presents. We always had really fun Christmases and we'd spend it with the family and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't get anything for Christmas for quite a few years. And I always heard that Santa Claus brought presents to good kids, so I figured I must be a bad kid since I didn't get anything. I remember one year, I came downstairs and I looked underneath the Christmas lamp. We would decorate a lamp because we couldn't afford to get a tree. I looked underneath the Christmas lamp and there was newspaper wrapping all around something and it said Otis on the outside. So I went ahead and I opened it up. I was all excited. I got my first present and it was a blue ball and I just couldn't believe it. I had my own toy. Up to this point, I was playing with the neighbor's toys. I didn't have my own toys. This is the first thing I ever had of my own. So all year long, I'm just playing with this thing. I'm throwing it up against the barn. I'm rolling it down the driveway. I'm bouncing it up and down on the sidewalk, just really enjoying it. Somewhere along the line, probably in October, I lost my blue ball. And I was pretty upset about it because it was the first and only toy I ever had. But I started thinking, you know, I was pretty good last year and I got something. I've been pretty good this year. Maybe if I hunker down and do all my chores and, uh, you know, I'm a good boy, maybe I'll get something for Christmas. I remember Christmas Eve, I couldn't sleep. I just really couldn't sleep and uh, I was laying there in bed. Finally, Christmas morning came around. I ran downstairs and I looked underneath the Christmas chair. We decorated a chair that year. And I started feeling around and there was a... this package wrapped up in newspaper and it said Otis on it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. So I open it up and I look inside and there's a red ball. And I was just so excited. I ran outside and I started throwing it against the barn. It's bouncing back to me. I'd throw it to the dog. The dog would bring it back. I'm rolling it down the sidewalk. I'm bouncing it on the driveway. And I just played all day long. And at the end of the day, I started getting really tired and worn out. So I started coming in and just thinking, feeling good about getting a present. And I get to looking at my red ball, and I notice that the paint is chipping off of it. And where the red paint chipped off, it was blue underneath. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville. It's a beautiful snowy day and I have three cats sitting on the couch right next to me. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it and everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different this week. I thought it might be fun if we share some Christmas greetings or stories or whatever from some folks that we've had on in the past, some friends of mine. And uh, they were nice enough to share some fun stories. So what we're going to do is we're going to have these folks in this order. So you might want to write this down and keep track of who's telling you the story. 
We're going to have stories from Ray Wiley Hubbard, Gretchen Peters, John D. Graham, Kim Ritchie, Chuck Mead, and Phil Kaufman, the road mangler. And I figured, what the hell, I might as well start it off with a little childhood memory of my own. Like I said earlier, when we were kids, we were pretty poor. We didn't have uh, a lot of the things that other kids have. As a matter of fact, we had so little money that I didn't have any clothes for the first couple of years of my life. So uh, I couldn't go outside. I would have to stay inside the house because I was always naked. It was pretty rough because I wanted to go outside and play like other kids, but I couldn't. I had to stay inside. My favorite Aunt Altie felt sorry for me. And I remember one Christmas, probably when I was three years old, she gave me one of my uncle's hats so that I could look out the window. Ah, uh, well, I got, I was about 16. Came home drunk and fell into the Christmas tree. <laughs> Uh, and that's so uh, that Christmas wasn't that wasn't that going that well that year. Uh, I guess I was sixteen or seventeen, and uh, so I'd gotten some Miller beer from somebody and drank three or four and came home and came in the den, kind of tripped and fell into the tree. And my mom and dad weren't too happy that Christmas. I remember that that was a a sad Christmas, and uh, I swore I'd. And as I, as I swore to him that I would never drink again, I knew I was lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never do it again. And then I go, man, I want some more of this. <laughs> so that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my one Christmas story I remember. <laughs> well, my favorite present. When I was a kid, my favorite present, this is so dorky, but it was a desk. I got, I got a desk. Oh, my God, I loved it. We always had, uh, we always got one unwrapped big present. Like, there was always one thing that we would come down the stairs Christmas morning, and there it would be. And, and the one that I remember was, I had a little child-sized roll-top desk, and I just... That was all I wanted in the world was a desk so I could work at it, you know. <laughs> I told you it was dorky. You were destined to be a writer. I guess, yeah. Um, uh, another, another memorable Christmas was when I first, first had moved to Nashville, and we were living in an apartment, and, um, you know, we had a three-year-old, and it was a nice apartment and everything, but it was it was – Probably, I guess it was the first, it might have been the first Christmas we were here. Um, so we, you know, we decorated and did everything. It was a brand new place, new traditions, whatever. And it was a horrible cold snap. I mean, I think it was below zero for a few days, like two or three days. And um, the heat had gone out so a couple of days before Christmas, so we had to go elsewhere. We went up to visit relatives in Kentucky and we came back down Christmas Eve. Heat had come back on. And we had the Christmas Eve dinner, the whole thing, went up to bed. My mother was staying there with us. And came down stairs Christmas morning, walked down the steps, and I hit the bottom floor, and sank, my foot sank into like three inches of water. A pipe had burst in the wall. Um, 
And I mean, like the whole living room was flooded. The Christmas tree was floating. It was just <laughs> disastrous. And we called the maintenance people at the apartment. And the sweet maintenance guy came over at like 6.30 on Christmas morning and started the whole, you know, cleaning up process, fixed the pipe. And he, he cut the, you know, opened the drywall, cut the pipe out of the wall and cut the piece that was burst. It's, it, it was like an inch. It's amazing how much water can come out of an inch <laughs> gap in a pipe. And he cut it out for us, and we made a Christmas ornament out of it, which I still have to remember that. Really? That, yeah, yeah. I still hang it on the tree every year just to, as a sort of reminder of what can happen. That's a great ornament. What can go wrong? It was, a, it was a very memorable Christmas, and we spent you know Christmas morning having coffee and uh, coffee cake with the maintenance guy. So this is this this could be corny, could be cheesy. I don't care, it's true. So when I was about eight years old, you know how there's like the popular culture ideas about Santa and Christmas. And then there's like the kids grapevine, like the jungle telegraph about Christmas among kids, you know? And kids build up their own little mythologies about Christmas and everything. And, and in, in my little group of kids, which was heavily Mexican, so maybe it's a Mexican cultural thing, a Navidad thing, I don't know. But they said at midnight on Christmas Eve, all the animals talk. Really? Animals can talk at, at midnight on Christmas Eve. So me and this other friend who lived four miles down the road from where I lived, made this plan to meet at midnight on Christmas Eve. And it was cold. I mean, it does get cold down there. Not probably cold like you think cold, but it was cold. And we're out there in this field, and we'd snuck out of our houses. I mean, we were maybe eight, you know, nine. And we got out there, and we're there at 11, and we're both tired, and it's cold. And we're standing in this field with all these cows. And... Looking at this watch, looking at this watch, looking at this, it's almost midnight. And I can't, we're just like breathless. Midnight, nothing, not a word. And you know, this tells you more about kids than anything else. As we looked at each other and it was like, we're both really quiet for a little while. After it became apparent, they weren't going to talk. And then we went, well, you know, midnight in Jerusalem, maybe. Or Bethlehem. And it's like, yeah, well, we'll just figure that out. And then next year we'll come at that time because that's probably when they talk. That has to be it. That has to be it. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's funny because my, my mom doesn't like Christmas. And she's kind of, I mean, ever since growing up, it's like, you know, she, I, she, she doesn't like Christmas. I think because I think she always... She always felt like like whatever she did wasn't enough because, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and it was mostly just her and then three kids. And, and you know, and, and it's funny how she would look at it and think that we didn't have enough. And we thought it was fantastic. <laughs> you know, the kids, all of us, we were like, we couldn't believe the wonderful things that we, you know, that were under the tree and all of that. So... So I always, I always really liked Christmas, and I remember when we were really small, 
Did you? There was a department store called Reich's. We Did didn't you ever have, have that. that? It might have just only been there, but they. It was great because there were, you know, certain things that you do every Christmas, especially when you're a little kid that you look forward to. And and when we were a little kid at Reich's, they would have, um, in the windows out in front you know they'd have the displays with like all the kind of elves that moved around and everything you know and when you're really little that stuff's real like those are real elves in there the animatronic yeah is that what they call yeah that? yeah so you know you'd get to go and see that and then you go inside and they had uh they had this little store where only kids were allowed in and parents weren't allowed in and they called it Tykes. How about that? So it was Tykes. And I remember the door that you went to get in was only kid size. It was really cool. So you went into the tiny, you know, the Tykes store, just the kids. And there were, you know, a few adults in there. And, and they would have little things that you could buy, gifts. You know, your parents would give you some money or something. And you could buy gifts for your parents. Well, you know, it would be like a pen or, you know, or some little tiny. It was just all kinds of little small things. But, you know, we'd go in there and we'd shop. And you'd buy some Christmas presents and have those. And then we would go into the, um, what was for us, like the really fancy kind of uh, dining room. And, the tea uh, room. Yeah, exactly. It was like a tea room. And we got to eat there once a year, and it was Christmas time after we'd seen the elves and then been in tykes. And then the, the last thing was we'd go in the tea room, and and uh, we'd have lunch. And they had uh, – it's, it's crazy, the stuff you remember, isn't it? They had – they had. Uh, we always got – we just thought it was the coolest thing ever were these little chicken casseroles, and they came in like – chicken shaped dishes you know like <laughs> you took the top off and the top of the chicken came off and you had this little bowl where there was some kind of you know chicken and dumplings that's what it was it was in this this little chicken bowl and we just thought that was amazing my grandma so, had one of those chicken bowls where yeah it came apart halfway yeah i'd like to have one of those now i know chicken bowl whatever happened to those but that's that's what that was like the best thing ever when i was a kid You know what? We always took Christmas off. It was always, and I always went back to Kansas. Last year was the first year since we've been living here, 19 years, that we didn't drive 10 hours to Lawrence and then another four and a half on Christmas Day to Hutchinson, where my wife's family's from, and then 14 hours back. Oh, God. Yeah. It was such a gift. <laughs> we flew my my folks and her mom up here last Christmas. It was great. The, the always the Christmas that sticks out to me though is Christmas of 1970 because that was the year that we my sister and I, you know, we begged and begged. We were down at my grandma's in Nevada, Missouri, and uh we begged and begged on Christmas Eve, just let us open up one gift. Just let us open up one. Just one. And, you know, they were like playing it off. No, 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 no. You just got to wait till in the morning. And then finally they relented. Okay, you can open up that present right there, but it's for both of you. So we opened it up and it was a box of sticks. <laughs> and my, my parents and my grandparents, they just laughed and laughed at the looks on our faces. That's for all the bad stuff you did all year long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I'll never forget that one. But then the next morning we woke up and I had a BB gun and my sister had an archery set, which is dangerous to give nine and 10 year olds, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, Xmas. I'm uh, not a big fan of Xmas. I say keep Christ out of Xmas is one of my themes. And uh, I have my, my Christmas card several years ago is a picture of me with the, uh, the, the Russian you know, big hat with the flaps that go up and, and, the, and the star, and it's, and it's called the Anti-Claus. <laughs> so I am Anti-Claus. Or some people say I am Santa's evil twin. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> are we rolling, Bob? I'd like to thank my friends Ray Wiley Hubbard, Gretchen Peters, John D. Graham, Kim Ritchie, Chuck Mead, and Phil Kaufman for sharing those stories with us. But I'd like to leave you guys with this. About 10 years ago, I was at the Alley Cat, which is a dive bar in my old neighborhood of Broad Ripple on the north side of Indianapolis. It was the night before Christmas Eve, and it was probably 3.30 in the morning as I was walking out of the bar, and it was snowing. And I saw two friends of mine. I saw Greg Brenner and Dusty Privet. And uh, they were just drunk off their ass. I don't know any other way to put it, but they were both plowed. Let me tell you what these guys are like. Greg Brenner, at some point, decided he wasn't happy with the bands that were coming through Indianapolis. And a lot of the punk rock bands that he dug weren't coming around. And instead of just sitting around and complaining about it and bitching about it, he decided he was going to become a promoter and book some of his favorite bands. And for quite a few years after that, maybe 15 years now, I'm not sure how long it's been running, but he started a night called Punk Rock Night. And he's had some of your favorite bands come and crash on his couch and play at the historic Melody Inn. And he's done a hell of a lot towards improving Indianapolis and the quality of the entertainment that comes through there. He's a really good guy. A lot of people sit around and complain about things. Greg takes care of things. And then there's Dusty. Dusty grew up with me in Wanamaker, Indiana. He lived down the street when we were little kids. And uh, I would play football with my buddies, and we were a little bit older than him, and we wouldn't let him play. And later on, when we got to be buddies, hanging out in the bars and Broad Ripple, you know, he would remind me of that, about how I'd always stiff him. But he became a really good friend of mine, and he plays uh, in a band called Donnie Baker and the Pork Pistols, and you probably heard them on Bob and Tom's show with and for those of you outside of the United States, Bob and Tom show is a nationally syndicated morning show on radio. But anyway, they were walking out of the bar. And like I said, they were plowed. And uh, I said, hey, guys, why don't you, you know, let me give you a ride. So we got in the car. And Greg was very sick. And he got sick. So if you were, have a queasy stomach, maybe you do not want to listen to this. But Dusty is kind of a world-class shit talker. If it was an Olympic sport, he would uh, get bring the gold home for America. And he just started talking all kinds of crap and berating me and giving me a hard time. And I looked up on the dash, and I always kept a, reco- a tape recorder with me in case I came up with a song idea. And I had my tape recorder sitting on the dash of the car. And I said, the heck with it. And I reached up and I pressed record. And I recorded... This uh, little conversation incident, this ride home between friends as uh, Dusty berates me. And the audio quality is terrible. I mean, it really sounds bad, and I apologize for that. But what do you expect? It's a cassette player sitting on the dash of a car while a bunch of drunk people scream. But this is the first time this recording has been made public. There's a few friends of mine that have heard it, but nobody else. And like I said, this is 10 years ago, maybe at 4 a.m. in the morning, the night before Christmas Eve. I call it Driving Miss Dusty. 
You know what, dude? I'm making t-shirts through PRN, mind you, and they say, I can't think of two reasons why I should be pissed off. <laughs> and if you can think of one, I feel sorry for. That's what's going to say on the back. I can't think of two reasons why I should be pissed off, and on the back, it's going to say, if you can think of one, I feel sorry for. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? My brain, my own self. I just thought about it, you know. Notice, can you think of two reasons why you should be pissed off? Honestly. Um. Honestly, in life, do you can you think of two reasons? Greg, you alright? You alright, Greg? Open the door, dude. Spit. Alright, man. I must have been talking to you. You alright, Greg? Open up that door if you need to. popular guy in the fucking city. <laughs> Everybody knows GB. You alright, Greggy? Come on, buck up, soldier. <laughs> Maybe we should skip the downtown thing and just Hell no, man! Let's go party, dude! You all right, Megan? Come on, Greg. Buck up, soldier. <laughs> Aren't you glad you don't drink alcohol? <laughs> See what it does to you, man. Well, well. You've witnessed this more than ten times. I'm still trying to go to that party, dog. <laughs> We're going to that party, Greg. I don't care what the fuck you're doing. Come on, buddy. Straighten up, bitch. Open your eyes. Pay attention. Come on, buddy. GB. Come on, boy. Spit and close the door. Let's go. Come on, Megan. You can do it. Let him make sure he's all right. Take all you need, man. It's true. What the fuck do you eat, like spaghetti or something? <laughs> hey, man, you want some warm hot dog water? <laughs> Come on, buddy. Straighten up, bitch. I ain't gonna hang around with the likes of you if you keep acting like that. You all right, buddy? Talk to me. Yeah. All right. Grab the door, close it, let's go, man. We're going to a party. Right. Come on, bitch. I think I'm going to take your ass home, man. 
Hell no, we're going to this fucking party. Oh, this shit ain't taking us nowhere we don't want to go. Come on, shut the door. I think he needs to go home. Dude, I got his back, man. I'll get a cab wherever we want to go, man. I got the cab on him. Come on, where are we going? We going to the fucking uh, Market Street? Is yeah. that where it's at? Ohio and Market. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I don't know, man. Dude, I think I'm going to make an executive decision on this one. Dude, you ain't. I got your back. I got him. I got him, dude. We're going wherever we want to go, man. This dude's going to wake up here in a minute. That's the last thing he needed was a little bit of fucking saucy lotion. Just tell me if you need to pull over again, Greg. You're all right, bitch. Come on, dickhead. Hands you and me, I'm going to take me home. That's right. We're going to go to... We're, we're in good company. Come on, man. Quit playing. Stop. I'm tired of you fucking acting like a bitch all the time. <laughs> Hang a left, Otis. Otis, where are you going? <laughs> Dude, Otis! It's alright, man. We're gonna take Greg over to his house. Oh, that's good. Huh? We're gonna make sure he gets home alright. Greg, where are we going? Dude, Otis, you gotta take us to the party, man. I'll take care of this fool. He's in <laughs> my hands. I'll see, here we go. God damn it, Otis. Hello? Oh, hey, man. where you at? Whip it around and take us back down to the party. Hey. Come on, let's not take care of him. I got All his right. back, dude. I will not. I'm with Otis and um, fucking um, that dusty guy. <laughs> hey, Otis, turn around and take us to the party. No, we're like at Trust like nine. Care of this. No, yeah, I got his I'm back, dude. I'm gonna take him home, man. I'm gonna take him home. Got, Otis, I got Jesus fuck Christ, I got a one foot in the mud hole. I got another foot in the fucking bread to Alabama. Why don't you come up and see me? Dude, take us to the to Over to Ninth in Alabama. Oh my God, here we go. What am I doing? Now I'm cheating. I am not feeling well. Take a right. No. Come phone, over man. to my house. Hold on. Hello? Hey, buddy. Are you uh, guys? Are you guys at the take party? A left here. Alright. Get in between these hey. cars. Okay. Are you guys leaving? Thank you, Otis. No problem, man. You're a fucking rock star. Uh, Greg just threw up on Mass Ave. And now we're right at here, the parking lot to the apartment. Are you coming over or this what? Or do we need to go? Be all right, man. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'm right home. now. Let me walk you up there. Uh, no. <laughs> right, man. No, 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 no. Thank you. Merry Christmas. What's bro. going on? Merry you Christmas. need to talk to him. Andy, hold on a second, okay? <laughs> Guys, be
I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Ray Wiley Hubbard, Gretchen Peters, John D. Graham, Kim Ritchie, Chuck Mead, Phil Kaufman, Greg Brenner, and Dusty Privet for being part of this. And if you see some friends somewhere this holiday season and they've had a little bit too much to drink, give them a ride home. Even if they get sick in your car, you know, at least they didn't get hurt. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books, but anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there and you'll get a brand new episode free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.